0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Before we look at Newcastle's visit to Chelsea, we're going to look back on another fantastic win for Eddie Howe's men. Newcastle won 2-1 down at St Mary's. They beat Southampton in a game which was hard fought, but they fully deserved the three points. That's now nine unbeaten in the Premier League. Only Liverpool have picked up more points this year in the top flight. They've picked up 22, Newcastle 20. John, we keep seeing it. Another fantastic win
1: and what a turnaround for Newcastle United. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, if the season had started nine games ago, we would be going for the Champions League on this form. Um, It is ludicrous because we started off deep in relegation trouble when this this run started. And we're magnificent and winning in several different ways coming from behind dominating games having to be ugly and win ugly etc and the fascinating thing for me Andrew is that if you look at this nine game unbeaten run we have not fielded our best team yet because we have been without Callum Wilson throughout the run he's Newcastle's top scorer we've been without Trippier We've been repeatedly without Sun Maximum. Now we were without Joel Linton against Southampton. And they aren't just any players, they are best players. And if you put into that equation that Byrne didn't play in the first game when he was available because he'd come with a little bit of an injury and Target couldn't play against Aston Villa because it was his parent club, Eddie Howe has not picked his best team yet and one were best run. And what that says about... The squad, because under under Steve Bruce, for example, the squad not only did the team underperform, but the squad was so thin that you could see through it; it was paper thin. And it, but what this says about the squad now, with all those guys out, is phenomenal. You can see why there's so much excitement on social
0: media because I saw a tweet who and the gentleman listed the players missing, as you've just done there, and it, it did quite well on social media, and people are just generally excited because, like you say. It's not Newcastle's best teammate, but those nope. players who are stepping up, are stepping out and in are certainly stepping up. And what I liked about last night's victory over Southampton was the 1-2-1, thanks to goals from Chris Rudd and Bruno Gamoresh. And we will talk about those goals because both goals equally as beautiful in their own right. But what I first of all loved about the result overall is once again, they were hanging on towards the end which we know they've done quite well under Eddie Howe in recent recent weeks, but also to come from behind against a Southampton side that were unbeaten in 12 at home. That's only their second defeat at St Mary's. So it's no easy ground to go to. Not at all. To then fall behind early on, to come back, to have that mentality to to pull the game back and then hold on. We're just
1: seeing yet another element, another piece of the jigsaw in this Eddie Howe team. Well, they never know when they're beating this side. I mean, defensively, Newcastle were... Terrific. But this the spirit of the side, defensively they were terrific because they, they pressed high, they did everything that was right. They've got huge fitness now, which was never one of their strengths in years gone by. But the team spirit is phenomenal. I mean, you, if you could bottle it, you'd become a millionaire. It is terrific spirit. Never say die. Want to be in the trenches with each other. But just, um, just on that, though, because...
0: Well, I never doubted the effort or commitment of these players before Eddie Howe stepped in, before the takeover happened. Yes, there was you know a few games where you, you kind of have your hands over your eyes. But I think as a whole, that team's always had that effort, commitment and, and, and a relatively good team spirit. So what do you think is the change which has taken well, them to the next level?
1: Confidence as much as anything. Um, there's no question that deep in their heart, the kid... But when you're not confident, when you pass the ball waywardly and it doesn't go to another player and the crowd moan, as I'm going back to the old, old days, um, then your confidence is at a lower ebb. And it's all, football is all about confidence. You can see Messi on a day since his transfers and he's got lost a bit, looks quite at the player that he looked at when he was striding and killing everybody at Barcelona. Confidence is the is the huge difference, and there's players in that side now that are unrecognisable from the, the ones we knew just a short while ago. Do you also
0: think it's partly down to the new owners coming in and having this ambition to do more than just survive in the Premier League? These players who, yes, had the commitment and effort, as I've, as, as I've previously mentioned, have now got something else to aim for. They know they're not just going on a ride to survival. There's, an, there's a hope and an ambition of these owners to do more than that and break into the top ten, then
1: the top eight, and then and then sure. so forth, they've sure got something to battle for. Yeah, sure there is, without a shadow of a doubt. And if they don't battle, someone else will come in and take the place. It's better. I mean, that's inevitable, that somewhere along the line, some of these boys are going to get swallowed up. This is the same pattern. It was used with Kevin Keegan all those years ago with the entertainers and where step by step you get better and better Um, yeah i I do think as well when we talk about newcastle uh, having that commitment and uh, etc etc in the old days it never really shone out it was smothered by tactics and by uncertainty by muddied tactics not certain what we're trying to do by a lack of confidence, etc., cetera, et cetera. And Eddie Ham was taking an awful lot of credit for that in pulling this out of them and convincing them because, I mean, he came in and almost immediately announced that Joe Linton and John Joe Shelvy were an absolute treasures that were so important to Newcastle United. And a few fans raised an eyebrow and thought, Eddie, you'll see things a bit differently if you stay here for any length of time, and it's it's not been so. They, they have produced what he talked about them being capable of producing. Well, when the team news dropped last night and Joe Linton wasn't even in
0: the squad, I think a fair share of Newcastle United fans felt a bit of a, a punch to the gut really, and it's yep. amazing that Joe Linton has come that far where Newcastle United fans were devastated. He wasn't in the in the starting eleven.
1: Without a shadow of doubt, I was, um, because if you know, if 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 one person was going to drop out of the midfield for Bruno, and at some stage that had to happen, whether it was last night forced upon us or voluntary, it was going to happen because Bruno was going to get a start. Uh, who was it going to be? And the one thing that you everybody thought and probably. The manager as well, had everybody been fit, Joe Linton would have still been the first name on the team sheet in midfield and will st- go back in the side, I don't doubt for one moment, when he's fit enough to, whether that's at Chelsea or at Everton.
0: But what a time to be in your cast night, you found when your star man of the season drops out because of injury and to replace him is a forty pounds Brazilian <laughs> international <laughs> Who scores an absolutely exquisite goal, fantastic back heel into the back of the net from from a corner? It's something. It's just speechless. Absolutely brilliant, wasn't it?
1: Well, I mean, the guy should retire now because it doesn't matter how long he plays, he'll never beat that. Um, Because that was just outrageous. It was just absolutely sublime. He did that almost as if he was a Brazilian international midfielder, didn't he? He Uh, he, he looked everything that we think Brazilians are capable of. And uh, it was an outrageous goal. Uh, But both the goals were startling. I have been praying, as you well know, I've had the prayer mat here every... uh, preview we have done recently saying please let Chris Wood score because he needs it and it'll do him the world of good and it'll do the team the world of good and when he did score it was a trademark Wood finish a superb header and let's not underestimate the ball in from John Joe, uh, a wonderful wonderful goal that when it was struck couldn't be topped only it was because of the outrageous uh, audacity of bruno on on the winner i mean to flick it with a back heel and get it so high into the net with your back to the goal it's in nonsense it's an absolute nonsense both goals were wonderful wood will really benefit from that because we would have taken any sort of goal from Chris because he needed it, scruffy goal, going in off his shins, his backside, his shoulder, anyway, but a powerful header coming on into the far corner, wonderful, uh, Newcastle did it the right way and spectacularly the right way and, uh, their manager didn't like it one little bit. I had a huge smile when I thought that uh, both the goals that beat him were players signed for big money in January, so um, sorry monsieur, that's the way life is. And then he had the audacity to complain about Newcastle's free kick on the way to the winning goal, which uh, because it wasn't a free kick to us at all. Well, I'm sorry, mister, but if you got your tactics right and you defended right from the corner, we wouldn't have scored. You had plenty of time to organise and set up, the, the Southampton players did, set up your, your, your blocks and everything you needed to do on the corner to survive. And you didn't do it. So, I mean, uh, you know, it perfectly balanced the manager. You had a chip on both shoulders. A,
0: a decent enough... Debut, uh, uh, f- a full debut from Bruno Guimash. Obviously, the goal aside, he he seemed to uh, fit quite nicely into that into that side. Obviously, he went off with a bit of cramp towards the end, and it was quite, I guess, quite the introduction to Premier League football. Mm. Given Southampton were absolutely throwing everything at Newcastle towards the end, but he, he, you know, he showed kind of everything about his game. He can pass the ball, he can get his foot stuck in, he covers ground. we, yeah. we, we knew from people we spoke to, and, and obviously a lot of people probably watched the YouTube highlights there's a player there and you know for his first what did he what was he on Uh, 70 odd minutes or whatever it was um a very good first full debut yeah yeah.
1: and and he will get better goal apart (laughs) goal apart you can't get better than that goal but his all-round performance will get better as he sharpens up as he gets the pace of the premier league he's an outstanding player we we knew that Uh, there was never any question about that um and he did certain things terrifically. He was bound to give a couple of balls away under pressure because he's stepping up into a new league in a different sort of game. But he's going to be a big, big player for Newcastle. So applying the logic that you spoke about
0: in previous episodes, Eddie Howe doesn't change your winning side. You know, if yep. you perform well on this side, you keep the shirt. Let's say Joe Linton is fit and he can return for Chelsea
1: on Sunday. Yep. What happens in the midfield there? Great question. Yeah. Um, I think he will be only fit enough to make the bench because we can get 20 minutes out of him and we'll play him at Everton. Uh, that would be the easiest way to get round that problem, wouldn't it? Um, because he does deserve to go straight back in the team and if you're then going to say Bruno deserves to stay in the team after his performance and his goal, who goes out? Willick, I thought, was sensational again. And Shelby, in fairness to him, would would, who might be the guy that would be under pressure if Joe Linton had to come in Sunday, you know, crossed magnificently for the equaliser, etc., etc. And but it's a hard old world being a professional footballer in the Premier League, and one would have to go. But it would, if this guy, I mean, he's down with Newcastle, Joe Linton, so obviously he's in with a shout for Sunday, otherwise I wouldn't have taken him Mm. away with him. So he's obviously in with a shout, but it could be that he makes it as far as the bench and then comes on to show things up at a stage where we need that. Um, But a decision long-term has got to be made, because four to three doesn't go Mm. in the midfield, and long-term a decision has to be made. It's a welcome one, of course.
0: There was another picture in the dressing room and that's where Joe Linton was pictured. Couldn't say any how this time around. Maybe he was the one taking the picture. <laughs> um, looking at the league table, in Newcastle 14th, 14. Uh, sorry, yeah, 14th, ten points clear of the drop zone. And when you think about where they were after that Man City defeat towards the end of December, obviously they were thumped four nil. They were three points from safety. Yeah. And here we are sitting ten points clear out of the drop zone it's been amazing and anyhow was asked about the turnaround and now the points gap and look I know and I feel that he knows exactly um what to say to the cameras because they'll get picked up when it comes across oh, really well but it doesn't mean we can't love it and he said you know we've got some tough uh, some more tough games and more work to do that was one of his, his answers when he was asked about how well Newcastle are doing and that is the, that is the attitude you want from it goes back to what I was saying the other week about him. You sure. know, you're only as good as your last win. Well, it
1: would be very stupid, wouldn't he, to say the job's finished, etc. Et get et the champion out on the TV. Aye, ah, and then <laughs> you, you get done for Chelsea, you lose by a goal at Everton, and Kane gets a hat-trick, and uh, suddenly it's a different ball game. You're not going to get any manager that's sensible and sane and a deep thinker, and he is a deep thinker, going to say anything else. But, I mean, I honestly believe and I was talking at the build-up to this game, you know, you're not safe until you're safe. But, I mean, there's no way those bottom three, let's just take the bottom three that's currently bottom, there's no way they're going to make up 10 points or more, because the second bottom and bottom, it's more, to, to overtake Newcastle. There's absolutely no way that that's going to happen. And the, the wonderful thing is we, we're so carried away, and rightly so, about what we are doing, uh, that you can overlook the fact that on the same night as we were winning Norwich lost Watford lost and Leeds lost not only lost Norwich let in three Leeds let in three Watford let in four I mean I think Norwich are dead men they, they've gone I can't see anything else but Watford have gone so there's there's a fight for the last place but I I think it, it's between um Burnley Everton and Leeds Um, and we will not get dragged into this probably Brentford will be able to squeeze out of it I don't really care who the third one is that goes down as long as it's not us and 10 points, we aren't going to lose 10 points on the rest of them Do you think what Eddie Howe said there about
0: tough games to come or work to do, that is the standard he sets away from the cameras, that's the standard he sets in the dressing room and on the training pitch look yes, we've had an amazing nine games, we're unbeaten we still need to press on. Keep your foot on the accelerator. Let's not get complacent here.
1: Well, yes, without a shadow of doubt. Because as I've mentioned before, when you play to a certain standard like Newcastle, uh, and yet the level Newcastle United are currently at, if three or four players drop their standards only by ten percent per person, then you know the games that you would winning narrowly and drawing become losses. Um, and I think that Southampton felt that. They'd gone seven games or something unbeaten until they went to Aston Villa. They went to Aston Villa. Their the standards dropped just that little bit, and they got coshed. All of a sudden, they come home with a very tricky fixer against us and get coshed again. And now they're in a totally different ballgame. T- and that can quickly happen to a club, and it would quickly happen... To Newcastle if they let the standards drop. Because we're not, and we don't pretend to be, Manchester City or Liverpool. We're in the building process and it's wonderful and it's exciting. But the the minute we start swaggering and patting ourselves on the back, the players, and they won't be allowed to, and I think they remember only too well what was yesterday was like if not today and they won't want to go back to that no the standards have got to be kept up because there's still a bit of the season to go i'm not talking in terms of going down i'm talking in terms of taking the sheen off what we've achieved
0: Mm, and i guess as we've mentioned previously in this episode they've also got that kind of motivation as well so yes they don't look like they're going to go down but they're still going to want to keep performing because they know oh. this summer is probably going to be a busy one. They know only a certain amount of players are probably safe from
1: potential exits. Or oh, um, without a shadow of so and, and even some of those Andrew that's safe from exits aren't safe to be regular first teamers. There can be squad players next season. There's you know players that have done well. I mean, you know, Will Shaw automatically be the centre half alongside Burn next season. Who knows, will will Shelby automatically be a starter, who knows, where will Murphy be, will Fraser automatically be in the side or be bench players, they don't know because we're not certain the quality in exact positions that people are going to come in this summer, so will Dubrovka be the number one keeper or will he be on the bench in Darlow Sol? There's, they're not only fighting to stay here, but they're fighting to stay here as first-teamers and not as squad players.
0: They're, you know, taking on the challenge very well at the moment, and it'll certainly present Eddie Howe and the recruitment team some headaches going into the summer. You mentioned there, Martin Dubravka, a few fantastic saves last night against Southampton, yep. um, especially towards the end. Uh, Salou uh, tested him twice. There were Mento as well. He's kind of gone under the radar since his return. And that's partly because Newcastle have looked so good at the back. But mm-hmm. when he's called upon, you know, he's been brilliant. And, he's, you know, over the past
1: few years, he's had a few wobbles and a few criticisms and there was talk about... Him. Goalkeepers will always yeah. have wobbles because it's accentuated. For example, I mean, it was marvellous last night. For example, the previous game against Brighton, he threw the ball in the net for their goal. I mean, you know, it, this happens with goalkeepers, but, I mean, the ball, it was a corner well inside the six-yard box. It's a keepers all day long, and and he ends up on his knees and the big centre-half heads heads in, and game on then. We could have mm. gone on and lost it. Uh, but goalkeepers will always get this. There's repeated suggestions that won't go away that Newcastle will buy a goalkeeper this summer, uh, and I think they will. Um, it becomes then becomes a matter is does Dubrovka the new keeper start and be automatic number one I think the, the shake up will be beneath that where you've got Darlow and Gillespie and Freddie Woodman and there'll be a bit of a clear out there uh, but I think there will be another goal and so there should be because we want two good players in every position in the team um, and I think that will be addressed in, in the summer. So there's, there's work to be done for everyone. Everyone can have a personal incentive to do well between now and May. Mm, definitely. And it's going to be so interesting, isn't it? We're very fortunate to be able to,
0: to cover it and watch the ongoings. Before we talk about Chelsea, then I'll just let you know, we have got the view from the opposition. That'll be another episode released on the Everything is Black and White podcast later today I'll be speaking to Chelsea right at Scott Trotter. Of course, lots of interest regarding Chelsea. Usually we talk about the football, but there is obviously the off-the-field issues that will be discussed, so watch out for that one. John, we're going to start there, mm. with the sanctions on Chelsea. Sensational. Unprecedented. Oh, sensational. What's going on over in Ukraine is absolutely horrendous. You know, the, the TV images, the pictures and the yep. papers, it, 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 it breaks your heart watching what's going on. And, you know, um, many people feel these sanctions have come a little bit too late. Regardless, they have come. It means Roman Abramovich's assets are have been frozen. Chelsea have been granted a special license so they can still perform as a football club, which I think is important because the government or someone from the government has come out this morning and said, we, we don't want Chelsea to burn, which is right. You know, there's a football club, there's people's livelihoods there. Of course, in comparison to what's going on in Ukraine, there is no comparison. Important though that Chelsea does survive and hopefully they'll find a new owner and, and what yeah, have the you. The
1: intention, if the government is not to, Chelsea not to survive, the mm. intention is to hate Abramovich. And then, um, you know, that's right. Whether it's hard, whether it's difficult, which it is for Chelsea supporters, but that's right. You can't just say, let us do this, that, and the other against Putin and against the war, but let it not touch football. You know, Abramovich, it's not just about his yachts and his wonderful pads in London. This is the biggest asset possibly that he, that he has, and it's got to be hit and hit strongly. It is an awful time for Chelsea supporters, there's no question, because you yeah, in a situation whereby, you, however long this lasts, you can't buy and sell players this summer if it, the um, sanctions are still in place that's going to hit them hugely, you can't negotiate new contracts for current players because that's a new deal and a new influx of money and and that can't be done, so that is going to hit them, the merchandise is is finished, you cannot sell match tickets outside of what has already been sold, so Chelsea fans that aren't season ticket holders for games later are in trouble. Going over to European games because they can only spend 20 grand or something on a trip. It is phenomenal. My worry, which only lasted about 20 seconds, was for Newcastle fans because one of the reasons we have won three and drawn one of our last four away games is because the crowd. I mean, all you could hear last night was Newcastle United fans from the first whistle and when they were one 0 down, right away through to the last. And they're so important to Newcastle, and they had—they have just survived having to go down to Southampton on a Thursday night. Can you, I mean if you go any further south in Southampton you're playing in Europe I mm-hmm. mean it, it's ridiculous that we are given a trip like that on a Thursday evening when we can't our fans can't get back and I'm thinking crikey, what if they can't go to Chelsea but of course that was never uh, a goal it will be in the future where where, where fans can't buy tickets to watch the, the team in Chelsea because the money goes theoretically to Obama. But um, it doesn't apply here because the tickets were sold prior to the 10th, and therefore everything's perfectly all right. So, our full quarter of fans with tickets will be down on Sunday afternoon, and that, from Newcastle's point of view, is amazing. I mean, the incredible thing, Andrew, is that every time we go to London, we we'll walk into a drama. We went down to West Ham and well, Zuma and his cat was was the dominating force. We went down to Brentford and it was all the emotion of Ericsson's comeback game. And now this, mm. it's the first home game for Chelsea because they were away last night at Norwich. It's the first home game from Chelsea since these sanctions. Um, and there's going to be a lot of doom and gloom on the terraces because the fans are going to be terribly upset at what's happening to their club. And, um, you know, there's two ways that the players will react to it. One is that they have a siege mentality, which... Fergie used to do with Man U the whole world's against us but if we bond together we'll see what we're and they come out and they're almost unbeatable because they've got a siege mentality or you get a few thinking deep into the head well we've just won the European Cup, we've just won the World Club Championship, we've done it all here and I'll get a free transfer at the end of the season um, in pocket millions because I'm a quality player and not not too fussed I mean the, the indications were last night at Norwich that they're not going to stop playing Um but then again they were playing Norwich which is they, they're so d- d- dreadful at the moment but um yeah it's a tough old time for Chelsea but that's their problem and it's not ours
0: I have to say what was disgraceful again in my view is the Chelsea fans shouting R- Roman Van Ritchie's name last oh, yes, night at the Norwich game previously at the Burnley game especially through that minute's applause for Ukraine I mean come on if you're one of those fans doing that have a word with yourself i mean like you say you can't help but be moved by the tv images of i'm not even going to mention you know the kind of places that they're blowing up because it just it it does breaks your heart doesn't it and you know what's been really refreshing i know we're kind of getting away from the point here but is that football's come out in solidarity to support ukraine we've seen Ukrainian players getting loads of support we've seen the flags being waved and of course it's just a small gesture it's not going to change things in not. the grand scheme of things, but it is important to show that you
1: okay, know. It's a sort of gesture which before we did with the knee for Black, um, Lives, Black Matter. Lives Matter. And, um, I mean, it,
0: it, it's an interesting point, isn't it? That you know, football is becoming much more connected with politically po- po- connected po- politics, yes. but it is it is important because it's of got course. such a it's such a massive um, audience. For the Premier League, especially, it's a global audience isn't it so yeah. it's important that you know these messages do get across that there is no room for racism that the war in ukraine is totally unjustified and you know russia needs to get out and again you know, allow ukraine to go onto the path of democracy that was already well down and you know it has been really nice to see football and especially the premier league come together in terms of chelsea john like you say they, they beat norwich they look comfortable i think that's four wins in the premier league on the trot five um, across the... Uh, sorry, that's my Siri just going off there. Five across the um, all competitions. Yep. They are a good side. They've got some excellent players. We expected them to beat Norwich. They did do quite comfortably in the end. It's going to be a tough task for Newcastle. Oh, there's
1: absolutely no question. I mean, we, we mustn't get diverted by their Brambridge sanctions, etc., etc. We must look at this reality. And the reality is that they are... Champions League winners and World Club Champions. Um, that is a fact. You cannot get higher than those two uh, awards, and they've just won them. So that is how good they are, um, and that will be reflected because I don't think they're going to stack the hand as a as a team. They're playing their first match at home. Uh, the manager will be very very into them to to play for your pride, your dignity, show how good you are, etc, etc, it's going to be mightily tough but you know because we got three points at Southampton when a draw would have been a super result I told you it was going to be three points now stop bragging because you, you've got to forecast this one as well and see, we'll see how right you are because it's a matter of whether you forecast it with your head or your heart um, but because we got Three points instead of a draw. If we'd got a draw, Newcastle fans would have said, good result, still unbeaten. Southampton are a good side, blah-de-blah-de-blah. But because we've got three points, it, this is almost a free hit at Chelsea. Because if we lose, we lose. But again, you get the feeling Eddie Howe won't allow that... that well, approach. he can't stop illusion losing if, he if they're hear, superior. But what I mean but, is uh, he, won't, he won't let the standards yeah, drop but he won't be going
0: in he. He won't be going in saying this is kind of a free hit. He'll be going in saying, look, let's go and hurt them. Let's well, go and get course, three well, points. of course he will. But that's
1: why he gets his big money. He can't go in and say it's a free hit. Previous he, managers, he, though,
0: perhaps not
1: so much. Well, previous managers weren't successful, so that's that's why. But, I mean, it. the truth of the matter is that it's a free hit, that, that doesn't change your attitude in going into the game. That doesn't mean you're going in showboating. That doesn't mean that you're going to go in with the same attitude as you, you showed against Brighton when the going got tough in the second half and you showed against Southampton. And if you do that at Chelsea, you never know what you might get. But the three points we got at Southampton, with the possibility of another three points to make the sandwich at Everton immediately afterwards. It wouldn't be the end of the world if we lost this one. And realistically, if we are to lose at some time, and we are, because every side loses at some stage, there's only the Arsenal Invincibles that length ago mm. that didn't. So everybody loses at some stage. And if this happened to be Chelsea... We would still be where we are in the league, and if we get, if we then went and got three points at Everton, off we go again. So it wouldn't be the end of the world. But um, if we could get a draw, then if we won, well, that's sensational. I mean, apt. I mean, if we thought last night was sensational in terms of the quality of the two goals, etc., etc., to go and win at Chelsea would be totally unbelievable. But uh, nothing's impossible for this side, and. The, the concern you have is that your head tells you this is, not, this is a match too far for Newcastle, coming as it is three days after the Herculean effort down on the south coast, it's a match too far. You, you're uncomfortable to argue against Newcastle or to argue a defeat for Newcastle because they have this terrific spirit and ability and everything that they've got and you almost feel that you've um, not been respectful to them if you sort of suggested it isn't but going to happen.
0: Uh, they're, they're on a wave of optimism, wave of positivity, unbeaten in the Premier League in twenty twenty two. They'll be going in there on high, and you know they'll give Chelsea a, a good game. And there's no reason why they, they can't beat them. And you know, I, I think they might do. Good. That's. I'll get yours in a second because I just want to ask you first off. About the potential starting 11. Obviously, games coming thick and fast, and there was yep. only uh, Gamaresh that came in, obviously, a force change because Joe Linton was out injured. What happens then on Sunday? Do you see Eddie Howe shaking it up a bit? I mean, the fact Joe Linton's down there, as you said, suggests there's a chance. There was no answer, maximum as I could see, so maybe it might be a no, game. No, he was back home, Mail, yeah, wasn't he? A um, bit too far for him. Be, yeah. But
1: I mean, you. you Andrew, you never know, you're second-guessing as far as team selections are concerned because not only is it the second game in three days, but we had no idea that that Joe Linton was a major doubt before the game and we had no idea that Sam Maximum was ill because it was kept quiet and it was only when we got there and got the team sheet that we actually knew that those... So we could be in a position now with players that got knocks Last night, Shaw, sure, for all we know, could be ruled out this morning, but it won't be put out publicly because why should you tell Chelsea, etc., etc.? But Shaw sure, could be out now. Joe Linton might have no chance. Sir Maximum might have no chance. There might be a total new injury that we know nothing about. So it is difficult for team selection. I always thought that if if everybody had been fit for this these two games, I felt that uh, Bruno and Sir Maximum would come into the starting lineup either last night or at Chelsea, partly to spread the load and partly because they're two outstanding players that, that you know, you could argue with those two that they, the team actually improves when they come in, not, not just it doesn't get worse. And the same applies to Joe Linton. Um, and there's fatigue. How much? Fatigue is It's different in different players. Is Ryan Fraser, for example, capable of playing two games in three days, the amount of running and work Mm. rate he puts into a match, exhausted? Has he got enough time to recover? And the same applies, I guess, to Joe Willock, because he put in his shift in a half last night. I mean, they... beyond the call of duty totally in support of wood and then getting back in the last minute blocking on adams the way he did i mean goodness gracious me uh, wonderful wonderful stuff has is he fresh enough to go again for 90 minutes like that all these Eddie Howe, we've got to have faith in. He's on the ball 24 hours a day. He's with them because they've stayed down there. He'll know exactly what's in the tank of every one of them and he'll pick his team accordingly. Mm. And you get the feeling he
0: won't be afraid to make those decisions. Every player will want to play, but you know Eddie Howe... Like Theoretically,
1: you say, he'll always stay with the team. Yeah. Theoretically, he would stay unchanged. But again, like won't. you say, the, the But, the but the fatigue, it's two games know? in three days.
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Longstaff started on, on Sunday and maybe even Miggy for... Ryan Fraser just to give them a bit of a break because I think as much as I've said there's no reason why Newcastle can't beat Chelsea. You, you kind of rest Fraser for this game. You put him in the the team for Everton where he's got a chance to be
1: maybe a bit more effective. And you give. Are you suggesting that we think we're going to lose this? Game? No,
0: I'm just I'm just thinking if you if you look at if you look at it, I, I think know, I know what you I know where you're coming. Technically, from. Yeah. you're looking ahead to which game is more likely to produce the points three, three points in Ever- although.
1: Ever- but, Everton is more likely to produce the points than, than Chelsea. I mean, you would have to be insane to not think that before a game. Yeah. If you know, if you were going to put your mortgage on Newcastle winning and they were only going to win one if the two games coming up, you would take Everton as the one that they were likely to win more than Chelsea. That doesn't mean you can't win both, but it, it, there is much more chance at Everton. No danger. Have you seen a turnaround like
0: this then at Newcastle United? I mean, it seems for many to be unprecedented the way he has turned this around.
1: I think I think it possibly has. And uh, yes, it's phenomenal. And I think I've got to go back. Ages is not a wonderful thing, but it means that you've got a long memory bank. Uh, I've got to think I've got to go back to when... Kevin Keegan took Newcastle to Leicester when they were on the brink of going in the old third division and within three seasons not only had we strolled the championship to win promotion to the Premier League but we'd finished runners up in the Premier League that is a turnaround over a longer period than we're talking here but we You've got to remember, we're almost in the third division when that started, and so there was a, f- a huge turnaround. And that was a young, bouncy young man, wasn't it? Which is what Keegan was at the moment, and that's what we've got again now, a young man full of bounce and full of commitment and, and infectious. Um, so there's those sort of similarities. But yes, from being in the depth of despair and looking like a bunch of no-hopers to what they are now, in such a short space of time is absolutely wonderful and tribute to everybody concerned from the new owners to the manager and his coaching staff and to the players themselves because let's not forget each individual layer has had to pull his socks up right above his knees and roll his sleeves up and get on with it and have done that so each one of them individually deserves great credit as well 100%
0: 100% and the final question John can Eddie Howe when Newcastle United, bounce on to
1: another three points they can but I mean if they bounce on to another one point it would be sensational let us not lose sight of that a draw at Chelsea would be absolutely terrific um, without a shadow of doubt I mean three is sensational but a point there if Newcastle by Sunday night are still unbeaten that's some run. that with everything to come. That's someone. run. Um, my heart tells me that Newcastle will get a draw at Chelsea. My heart doesn't tell me Newcastle will win at Chelsea, not even my heart. My heart tells us we'll get a draw at Chelsea. My head tells us we'll lose by one goal, 2-1 or 1-0. But play ever so well. Have our heads held high at the end of it having produced yet another display and roll on to Everton and get three points there so I'm not going to be disillusioned down there, I'm going to be realistic, we either draw which is magnificent or we lose by a one goal margin and with a top class performance and then we roll on against Everton and start another one. Backed of course by a sellout away end so it's certainly
0: going to be a brilliant afternoon in the capital. John, thanks for popping on to the everything is back on my podcast. Just before we sign off, don't dare go away at the moment. I just want to plug the next episode of Gibbo's Corner. So just stick with us for 30 seconds because yep. this episode uh, includes you guys, the listeners. We want you to get involved. So John and I last month recorded um, John's top 10 favourite Newcastle United goals. And it was a very tough task, wasn't it, John, to oh, get them down. Absolutely. And we're not absolutely. going to reveal any of them today. The episode will go out on the 19th of this month. That is when Newcastle were due to play uh, Crystal Palace. But obviously it's been rearranged because of the FA Cup tie that they're in. So this episode will drop on our channel then. And in the podcast notes will be a form where the top 10, John's top 10 will be listed in order. And we want you to listen to the episode, hear John's reasoning for which goals being listed where and why. And then we want you guys to vote those top 10 in your order and we'll give it a few weeks, we'll tally up the, the, the points and we'll see if you agree
1: with John's list, which I'm sure you're looking forward to. I, I'm looking forward to it tremendously because it's, it's one of the fun things in life, isn't it? You know, if you go in a pub, you get a pint in your hand, you're standing next to a roaring fire, there's about five of you all Newcastle United devotees and you talk about the great goals you've scored and you want opinions to differ. Because it's only about opinions There's no right and wrong There's (laughs) there's opinions And some goals will be produced That you've actually forgotten about Good gracious, yeah I remember What a goal that was And by the way I might have had to rewrite my goals For Bruno last (laughs) night If if, if I'd done it later Because Bruno does get in in That sort of If he's not goal of the season uh, It'll take something to top that
0: Mm, definitely, it's, it's a really enjoyable hour or so, so watch out for that on the I Think It's Black and White podcast on the 19th, I'll put it up nice and early and do join in and cast your vote because I'm really intrigued to see if you agree with John's list. In the meantime, please remember to like and follow the podcast, totally free to do, just means with every new episode you'll get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to and please leave us rating and review. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep you to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including all the reaction from that victory over Southampton, all the build-up to the Chelsea game and much, much more. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the weekend and hopefully Newcastle can get three points on Sunday.